You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. Hello, Holy Cross. This is Pastor Pete. I'm so glad that you're joining us to listen in on the recording of our worship service from Sunday, March 15th. As you know, we canceled our worship service out of an abundance of concern for the welfare of our church and community in the midst of the coronavirus. What you'll hear is a truncated version of a regular Sunday morning service with singing, a prayer to seek God's will and favor, and a teaching from scripture. We've also included downloads of lyrics and the service flow so you can follow along at home and with your family. We hope it's a blessing to you, and we long to worship with you under one roof again, hopefully very soon. Christ is 
Oh 
Friends, I invite you now into a time of confession. The story of the gospel reminds us that God is holy, we have sinned, but Jesus saves us and blesses us to be a blessing. This is the true story of God's people that ought to cast out our fears, anxiety, doubts, and give us courage, hope, and joy. Yet we so often forget to see the gospel of Jesus Christ in the trenches of our lives. So we take time to confess our shortcomings to God, not to wallow in our guilt, but to give glory to the God that is sanctifying us and to wholly trust in him. Please take a moment now to silently confess your sins to the Lord. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Receive God's free gift of grace that is given to us through Christ and continue with us as we worship. As we continue in our worship, we're reminded of God's command and encouragement to us to give faithfully out of the abundance of what he's given to us. The Bible says that we should honor God with our first fruits, with the giving of our wealth. If Holy Cross is your church home, we encourage you to give cheerfully and joyfully to the work of the advancement of God's reputation and gospel in our church and around the world. About 70% of our church gives online through holycrossgive.com, but many of our gifts are received on Sunday mornings. And so in the absence of meeting on Sunday mornings, we encourage you to give joyfully and to visit holycrossgive.com. Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 103. If you're following along at home, you can follow along with us at Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. 
obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, there was some discussion this week about modifying our sermon text for Sunday. The question was, do we want to continue with our teaching series through the Psalms or pick a passage that speaks uniquely to the frenzy and unrest around the coronavirus? Well, the answer is both. We're sticking with the Psalm series and we're sticking with the text we originally scheduled several weeks ago. And to be honest, you'd be hard pressed to find a Psalm more fitting more encouraging, more appropriate for the climate of our world and likely the climate of our hearts. Psalm 103 is the remedy for the troubled soul. And the soul can become troubled for so many different reasons. Fear, anxiety, worry, uncertainty about the future. It can become troubled as a result of physical sickness, weakness, even stress and fatigue. So what do we do when we feel this way? What do we do when we're watching the news and reading the articles? When our heart becomes troubled? Well, the answer is easy. We should trust in God. Specifically, trust in the good news of God's rescue and love expressed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm guessing that answer doesn't immediately satisfy. It doesn't immediately comfort. You might know that that's the answer. But how does it really work? How do we work the gospel deep into our soul until we're transformed in the deepest part of our being? Until the way we feel about our circumstances and our lives utterly changes because we trust God? How does it work? Well, Psalm 103 shows us how it works. How to work the gospel deep down at a level that could be described as the core of our being. And that's really the scope of this psalm. We see that in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. All that is within me. The psalmist is saying, I'm going to pour my guts out to you, God. I'm going to praise you and pour out my guts, pour out my soul. Psalm 103 shows us how to preach the gospel to ourselves. And not in a general way, not in a lazy way or intellectual way only, but in a way where we pour out our guts until the deepest parts of ourselves are transformed. And then the psalmist proceeds to do that. I think the way he does it is also a remedy for us when we are feeling troubled and confused. The first thing that the psalmist does is he remembers God's benefits. And there are five benefits that God gives And that may may not sound like many benefits, but wait until you hear what they are. He forgives your iniquity. He heals our diseases. He redeems us from the pit. He crowns us with love and mercy. He satisfies us with his good. There is absolutely nothing in this life that you and I desire, need, wish, or hope for that is not covered by one of these benefits. Consider them. He forgives. What if the moment you were born, a tape recorder and camera were strapped around your neck? Everywhere you went was recorded. Every word, every action, every comment, every time you cheated, lied, or gossiped, it was all recorded. 
And when you died, that tape was played back to God and your eternal destiny was judged just based on the merits of that tape. And now what if I told you there was a person who could somehow erase the tape clean and treat you as if you had never done a single thing wrong? That's what it means to forgive. When God forgives our iniquities, he sees our life as if we have never done anything wrong. He doesn't hold us accountable to our mistakes and our sins. He also heals us. Now, what if I told you there was someone who could take away all that makes you ache, inside and outside, all the anxiety, depression, and worry, the cancer, the migraines, the cramps, and arthritis, the acne and hair loss and wrinkles. He heals our diseases. He also redeems our life from the pit. Not only does God forgive and wipe the record clean, he goes a step further. He reverses the effects of sin. If a child disobeys his father and as a result falls into the pit, the father could forgive the son and say, you disobeyed me, but I forgive you and I love you. But the son is still in the pit. Even though he has the benefit of the father's favor and the benefit of the father's forgiveness, he's still stuck in that pit. But if the favor then reaches down his hand to pull the son out, the son has the favor of the father, and now he has his rescue. He reverses the effects of his sin. God does not forgive us without reversing the pain and consequences of sin in our life. He reaches down. He pulls us out. He puts us back on level ground. Let's keep going. We have two more benefits to see. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. You see, he takes us from the lowest to the highest, from the pit of death to the table of the king. He gives us the absolute best things, his love and his mercy that have no boundaries, no ending. And he satisfies us with good. You know, today we really don't think of something good as being something best. We have good, and then we have better, and then we have best. That's the scale that we use. But in the Bible, good is best because to be good is to be pleasing, to be satisfying. God satisfies us by promising to always let things pass through his hand to our lives that lead to our good. Consider Romans 8.28, a famous passage about God's good to us. And we know that those, for, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Why didn't he say they work together for our best? Because good is best. Good is what satisfies the longing in our souls, and God has promised to satisfy us. So what if I told you there was someone who could forgive you, heal you, redeem you, crown you, and satisfy you? Well, there is. We just forget about him when trouble comes our way. We forget that our sins are forgiven because Jesus took our iniquities on the cross. We forget that our internal and external aches have an ex expiration because Jesus has conquered death in the resurrection, and we will one day fully be made whole. We forget that our life has been redeemed and the curse of sin has been reversed, so we are called, instead of his enemies, we are called his friends and his beloved. We forget that we're crowned with the righteousness of Christ. 
We forget that because we have Jesus, nothing can take away God's best for us because he is our best and he's given himself to us and he will never leave us. So the way to work the gospel deep into our hearts is to remember, to go about our day remembering the benefits of the gospel. But remembering is not enough. We, we must even go further. We must reorient our focus. The psalmist remembers, and now he reorients his perspective. In verse 7 to 18, there's some of the most beautiful and powerful verses in all the Bible on the love and grace of God. The grace of God, that's the, what, what the grace of God is. It's the miracle of giving the opposite of what we truly deserve. We deserve God's anger, but we get his mercy. We deserve his discipline, but we get his patience. God should treat us like an employer uh, treats an employee by giving them a wage that they deserve and worked for. But instead, he takes our sins, he throws them so far away, he can't see them anymore. We're like disobedient children, but God treats us like he is a compassionate father. So in all of these areas, we see a pattern. We see what we really should get because of our sin, and then we see what we really get. And and what's the basis of this upside-down formula? The psalmist tells us it's God's steadfast love. To reorient our focus is to turn our minds and hearts from the things we truly deserve to the things that God truly gives to us in spite of what we deserve. How does that help in a time of trouble? Well, let me use the present circumstance as an example. How does reorienting our focus on the gospel help with the inner and outer turmoil of the coronavirus? Let me show you how. When we are stressed, when we're afraid, when we're filled with uncertainty, we are tempted to fill our minds and our hearts and our souls with lies. Lies that say, if this bad thing happens, then you're hopeless. If this bad thing happens, who's going to take care of you and your family? If this bad thing happens, how will you be comfortable in the future? If this bad thing happens, how will you be okay? How will you have everything that you need? But now reorient your focus from those lies to the truth. God's love is so great for you that he turns the world upside down to secure his plans for you. God's love is so great for you that he doesn't give you what you deserve. Rather, he gives you compassion. And his love is from everlasting to everlasting. Nothing can take away his love. The essence of Christian faith is not the absence of worry but our trust in God's ability to hold us up no matter what comes our way. Do you believe that he will hold you up? Are you focusing on lies and fears and what ifs? He holds us up because the anger that was meant for us was given to his son. He dealt with his son not according to his sins, but according to our sins. He's able to show compassion to us because he showed his wrath to Jesus. Dig these truths deep into your heart until you begin to change in the innermost parts of your being. Turn from the lies that tell you that you're hopeless and defenseless 
and turn to the truth of God's unwavering love and steadfast compassion for you. And so we remember his blessings. We turn our hearts and minds to focus on those blessings, but we have one, less, one thing left to do. We must renew our covenant with God. We remember, we reorient, and now we renew our covenant with God. You see, an honest look at God's blessings in light of our failures leads us to wonder, how does God want us to live in light of his goodness to us? Verse 18 tells us that we are to be people who keep our covenant with God, to remember to obey his commands, to follow him with all of our lives. The covenant uh, was a bond of love between God and his people. It was a promise that God would love his people and a promise from the people to love their God all of their lives. And God's people were to renew this covenant with him often. Now, when I say renew our covenant with God, it's not like we renew it because it expires. We don't renew it like we would a membership or a housing lease. We renew it in the way that food renews the body. To keep our covenant with God is to renew it and rehearse it and abide by its terms in order to enjoy all the benefits that God has given to us. And so this brings up really a troubling paradox. Are the blessings of God and his steadfast love and his compassion, are they unconditional or are they conditional? It seems in one breath, the psalmist says that they are unconditional. The psalmist says so much. God is gracious, merciful, does not pay us for our sins, rewards us instead of with his blessing. He casts our sins far away and remembers them no more. But it also seems this psalm says that our blessings from God are conditional. God gives blessings to those who fear him and obey his commands and renew their covenant with him. So it appears to be both. How can it be? We see this dilemma as well in the Old Testament, but it's made crystal clear in the New Testament. God is gracious to the sinner, yet demands obedience from his children. The unconditional and conditional nature of the covenant bond of love converge at the cross of Jesus Christ. We see that his demands for perfection and obedience are satisfied in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And his desire to be gracious and merciful to his people are satisfied in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God's steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and those who keep his covenant and obey his commands perfectly. But there's only one who has ever done that. It's Jesus. There's only one way that God's mercy and justice for sin can both be satisfied. If the righteous would die in the place of the unrighteous, if the sinless would die in the place of the sinful. Jesus took a crown of thorns on his head so that we could take a crown of God's love and mercy. So to renew our covenant with God is not to renew our promises to be perfect and good and obedient. We are not meant to read this passage and say, God, I'm, I'm going to do better today. I'm going to do good tomorrow so that I can gain your blessings. But it is to renew our faith in the one who is perfect who is good, who is obedient. 
to renew our trust in the one who stood in our place under the judgment of God and then tells us that he will satisfy all our needs. You see, God's love for us in Jesus is described in remarkable terms. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love for us. As far east is from the west, so far does he remove his anger from us. Can you remember how we started this sermon? Saying that the way to find peace in troubling times is to trust in God? It sounded really sentimental at the time, but do you see now that there is nothing sentimental about the love of God? Psalm 103 presents the benefit of God's grace in such striking terms that once we know it and embrace it, we would join in with the angels as they bless God's name. In verse 20 to 22, we see uh, the angels, all the heavenly hosts, gathering to bless God's name, rejoicing in his love, praising him for what he has done, and we get to join in with them because of the benefits of God's love for us. So praise him with your thoughts. Praise him with your affections, with your life, with your actions. We would bless him when we are tired and when we're sick, when we're afraid. We should bless him when we read new headlines this week of troubling times. We should turn our hearts from our fears and cast them on his steadfast love that has no end. So in a way, this psalm is an invitation to praise God until we praise God. It's an invitation that when we're troubled, we remember his amazing work until our hearts are no longer troubled. We fill our minds with truth until we're able to resist the lies. And we look to Jesus until our fears subside. Trust in him. Trust in his everlasting love. Praise the Lord, our soul. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in a time of great need. I pray on behalf of your people at Holy Cross, on behalf of our community and all of those around the world, possibly filled with fear, anxiety, and at the very least, a great discomfort in the disruption of life. What are we to do in times like this? God, I pray that we would not give in to the lie that we are self-sufficient, that we can do this on our own, that we can manage our pain, that we can fix all that troubles us. But help us to look to your love, find rest and peace that you have conquered sin and death. You've promised us that in this life we will have trouble, but we should take heart, for you've overcome the world and you sit enthroned. And yet, God, we are somewhere in between the, the already and the not yet. Already we have received your forgiveness and love, and, and not yet have we been able to experience the full capacity of your restoration and your blessing. We still suffer, we still are afraid, we still worry. And so help us in these times. Protect us. Guard us from becoming weak in faith. I pray for those who are sick among us. I pray for healing. I pray that you would strengthen them, not only in their bodies, but in their soul. 
that as they grow weak in their flesh, that they would not grow weak in their faith. I pray for those who are experiencing a sickness of a different kind, of anxiety and depression, paralyzed in their hearts and in their minds as they cannot not think about all the chaos in the world. Would you settle them? Would you give them a solid ground on which to stand? Not on their comfort or the outcome of their circumstances, but standing on your love that has no end. Lord, I pray for government officials, both locally, at the city council level, our governor. I pray for our nation, for our president and all those in his administration. I pray for the world leaders who are trying to use their gifts and the wisdom of those around them to combat the spread of this virus. Let your wisdom fill their hearts and minds. Let their compassion fill their hearts so that they can extend not only information to others, but they would be motivated for the welfare and flourishing of all people. I pray for healthcare officials and uh, professionals that are dealing with the surge in need in hospitals. We thank you for them. We thank you that you, as a demonstration of your care for us, have given people skill that you've allowed us to, to learn about the human body and how it works. Strengthen them and give them courage. We thank you for using their hands as a way to express your love to us. God, in all things, let us come seeking you in prayer. Let us not forsake meeting together with your people to pray, to be reminded of your gospel, your blessings and benefits to us. We forget it often. Give us good friends and parents and coaches and teachers to help reorient our focus from lies to the truth of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We trust in you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart, no tongue can bid me thence when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look 
on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me hallelujah hallelujah praise the one risen son of God Him there, the risen man, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with Himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My Christ on earth, with Christ my Savior, my God, with Christ my Savior, my God, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one, risen Son. Now, church, we go from here not on our own strength, but we go with the blessing of Christ. Hear the words of encouragement from his scripture. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Go in God's peace.